how is everybody doing? And welcome back for another Strength Chat episode. Today, I have got a very special guest for you all. Today, I'm joined by a personal trainer, doctor of chiropractic, with the uh, with the goal, and I absolutely love this quote, empowering millions to enjoy a life well lived. Today, I am joined by the one and only Dr. Sean Pastush. How are you doing? I'm good, Stephen. I appreciate you bringing me on today. No worries at all. Thanks a lot for for taking the time to to jump on. Um, how are you? What's been? What have you been up to? What's been happening in your world recently? Uh, what has not been happening in my world recently? <laughs> so I, I I haven't seen a patient or trained a client. Well, I trained one client just to stay sharp, but I haven't seen a patient or trained a client other than her in about six years now. And so my entire life has been revolved around uh, really fulfilling the mission that you just described. Uh, in ways that are tangible, where it's it's not just fancy words on a wall that we walk past every day and pretend that we're pursuing, you know. So my my day to day is making sure that our team, at Active Life, is in what we would consider a safe and inspiring work environment to pursue our common mission with our clients. Yeah. Oh, cool. And how does um um especially and obviously you know. Um, a, a lot of things have changed since there, but obviously over the last couple of years, how did that impact with you know COVID? And um, one thing I would I, I would I would touch on as well is um, obviously I um, heard you speak at the Kabuki Education Week mm-hmm. as well. How did you how did you find that as well? So the the Kabuki Education Week kind of found me. That was something where I don't actually remember exactly how I got connected to. I think it was Kyle at Kabuki. And we were talking about um, their business a little bit. And in our conversation, he was like, "Yeah, hey, I would love to have you speak at our education week if you'd be down. I'm like, yeah, I would love to speak at your education week. And I loved it. It was such a fun, fun talk to be able to give and to work on and to develop. But, you know, my company is a, a 95% remote company. You know, 5% of our revenue, 5 3% of our revenue comes from in-person services. The rest of our revenue is we're, we're online. And we want to keep it that way. We'd like to grow the in-person stuff to 10%, but you know, that's that's a neither here nor there. So our in-person stuff only recently started. It started in January. And COVID had no impact on it because it didn't exist yet. Yeah. What COVID did have an impact on was accelerating our process as a company to build out models for businesses and fitness businesses that could be successful regardless of COVID in the future. Yeah. Because I, you know, at the time we were working with right around 75 gyms. And all of them got hit with COVID, whether they were local or uh, domestic or international, they all got hit with COVID. And so we were really proud that during that time, the gyms who we worked with were more profitable than they were before COVID. And we gave away, and not because we did this, but we gave away, we also gave away um, over a million dollars in free service to people who were not our clients to, to get them sustaining through that difficult time. So the only thing COVID really changed for us was it accelerated our, our need to, to develop our systems. Oh, cool. And I think that's, that was a, a big opportunity that came, came through it from there, because I know, um, like I say, I've been um, listening to you talk it. Uh, yeah. I was living on Pacific time um, for a bit during the, uh, uh, the Kabuki education week. And um, in your talk, you, you shared a lot of your, um, especially with the content you share out there, a lot of your own experiences and and, and stories, you know, to you know help um, other trainers, coaches, and, and gym owners. And 
I know I did a, a brief introduction there and, you know, what, what you've been up to recently, but for everyone listening, just want to give a little bit of a, of a background background to yourself. So I was a, I became a personal trainer in 2004 and I started working with clients straight away. And by the year 20, <clears throat> 2006, I, I was uninspired by what I thought could happen in, in the strength and fitness world. Because I was the one taking all my clients to the physical therapy suite and asking, what do I do with this person? And they would just tell me work around it. Oh, they're too old for that. Oh, that's just the, you know, that's the best it's going to get for someone with that going on. I was like, this sucks. This is not inspiring. So I went to chiropractic school because I thought that would teach me how to save the world. Came out of chiropractic school. I didn't want to practice the way that most chiropractors practiced. I found it um, uninspiring to just adjust necks, you know, racking, snapping necks and cashing checks wasn't something I was interested in. So I went and got a lot of ongoing continuing education from some really smart people. Corey Duval um, at the Stay Active Clinic in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, Bill Brady in from, um, what, what was that called? Like integrative Diagnosis up in Boston. Uh, you know, I, I, I was looking for the best of the best as it pertained to soft tissue manipulation and exercise interventions. And through that, I was able to build my own system of how I could apply what they were doing and marry it to something else and make it something really beautiful and elegant and simple. And that led to thousands of people from around the world finding my chiropractic clinic in Island Park, New York, a town nobody's ever heard of. Uh, that quickly led to elite athletes flying out. You know, every uh, guy flew out with his kid you know, because his kid had some stuff going on. People flew in from Australia, from Finland, from the West Coast, from South America, from Latin America, all to my office in New York for this, what we called the intensive three-day education, where we evaluated people for three days, and then we would send them on their way. And we would send them on their way with a plan that we wrote that was custom that would update every week based on their performance. That became much more exciting to me than seeing patients in a clinic. And so started doing that much more full-time. And then coaches started asking, why are my clients flying to see you? Why did my personal training client who lives in Finland and trains with me in Finland fly to New York to meet with you for three days? I don't understand. How do I do it? So we started teaching coaches how to do it. Then gym owners were seeing the coaches who are doing what this guy is teaching them are making more money and having better results with their clients than anybody else on our staff in this gym. How do I get all of the coaches in my gym to learn how to do that? So we started teaching gym owners uh, and, cool. and you know, the, the evolution, the opening of our own facility was a result of gym owners hitting a ceiling of doing like a million dollars a year in their micro gym. Right. So that's, that's really, really good when you're in a gym that, is meant to have three to 400 members total. Um, if that, and half of that revenue typically was generated through personal training services. So we knew there was a lot more than that to be done. And we knew that they were going to be hesitant to pull the trigger to do those things unless we showed them what that looked like. And so in January, we launched our own flagship a hundred yards from where we're speaking right now uh, to, to demonstrate the maximum effectiveness of our model that's cool and with and with that obviously it sounds as though it was like you know um or 
I don't know, maybe a, a natural progression of there? How did you find developing from, you know, doing it yourself to then helping coaches to then helping gym yeah. owners? How did you how did you kind of find that transition? It's always solving your own problem. So so um I forget whose quote it was, but I remember hearing um someone say that their worst nightmare is someone else building their service better than they do it and putting them out of business. So we just decided to do it. Right. So I decided to become my own worst nightmare. What would, what would make our one-on-one coaching business obsolete? Well, if a lot of coaches could, could do what we can do, well, great. Well then let's not let somebody else teach them. Let's teach them. Yeah. Uh, and then what would make our, our coaching education business obsolete? Well, if gym owners were developing coaches and putting it into the, well, okay, well, let's develop gym owners to do that, yeah. right? And we, the gym owners have to do the education for the coaches. They have to do the leadership. We're still providing the coach education. Okay, well, um, what could put that out of business? Well, what if we could open a thousand facilities around the world? We wouldn't need to educate gym owners anymore. Uh, and what if we could partner with the gym owners we're working with so that no one even wants to be a client? They want to be a partner. Well, let's do that. So it kept on being the next iteration of our problem solving through our own services. Yeah, I think that's a, um, that's a that's a good way to look at it because then that way, you know, everybody improves, especially if you know you're passing on some kind of your knowledge knowledge and experience. What one question that I like to ask as well is, obviously, you spoke about there about you know not um, trying to uh, find you know the answers and, and and solutions and putting it into you know one. Um, uh, like temp- template yourself who were kind of the uh, biggest influences that, that you had in terms of um, how how you worked and the models that you developed mm. I had a lot of really good influences the first ones I would describe well you talking about the gym model mm-hmm. uh, yeah the, the gym model the, the coaching model just you know your 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 thoughts well, and the so the business model um, I really didn't find anyone who influenced us in a way that, that I was inspired to. It was mostly people influencing me in a way that I said, I, I don't want to be anything like that. Right. I would see the stuff that we want. Let me, let me start over for you here. When I look to solve a problem for our, our clients and our company, I'm looking to solve it completely. And there are a lot of companies out there that help gyms make a lot more money. Most of those companies, if if not all are doing that without taking into account, how does the coach make a sustainable income long-term? And the reason for that is that's the hard part because if you're trying to think, how does the coach make a sustainable income long-term? Well, they need to provide more value than what they're providing managing a class. Well, how do they provide more value? Well, they need to have a higher level of skill so that they can help the client in a way the client's never been helped before. Well, how do they do that? Well, we need to develop it in them. And then we need to teach them how to market it. And we need to teach them how to sell it. Other other companies in our space, their priority is getting the owner paid because the owner pays their bills. Right? The owner pays our company if you're in a gym setting. Um, and the most important thing for us, if we want it to just grow as fast as possible, is this is how we make owners a ton of money. Well, it, we can't do that because it's much more developed than that, right? We have to we have to bring gym owners into our company who are saying, I want to develop our staff so they can have financially freeing and emotionally fulfilling work that they're doing. I want to serve our clients better than we're serving our clients right now. And I want to earn 
a profitable reward for creating those systems and facilitating those opportunities for people. That's our client. Um, so most of the influence I got for building the business model came from looking at what the rest of the industry was doing and saying, I want to be nothing like that. Okay. Yeah, I think, sorry, go. Now, as far as the fitness model goes, I, I can't even begin to name the number of people who've influenced me in a positive way. You know, beginning with, um, like I said, Corey Duvall and um, Bill Brady. Now you can start to look at people like Charles Poliquin, Kelly Starrett, um, Eric Cressy, Brent Porcio. That's that list becomes that that's kind of the short list, but Dan John is on that list, right? And you that list grows in such a way that you're like, oh, there's a lot. I didn't come up with any of this on my own. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I, I always like to ask that question because I I, I quite like that you know there's um uh, in terms of uh, influencing of of not you of what you didn't want want to be like but you know it's never just you know one thing one influence that that makes um especially for you know younger coaches and trainers listening it's never just one thing like you know you can you can pick things from and learn a lot from a lot from different people when you spoke there about you know developing those models and you know um uh, especially when you spoke about um uh, other uh, therapists who might be like oh they're um, too old, I won't be able to do that. Or that's as, as best you're gonna you're gonna get from there. And um, mentioning about having those standards and um, you know being able to get buy-in buy-in from uh, members as, as coaches. How important do you think is building trust? And in terms of the systems that you're putting in place to be able to get um, uh, get members and clients to have that trust with you as a as a as a trainer as a coach, so that you can actually help them. Stephen, Stephen, you manage a gym, right? Yeah. Okay. The entire business of coaching people is sales. Hey, grab the bar like this instead of like that. We think, oh, I'm an expert in this. And of course, they're going to believe me. And if they have any kind of a question or concern, I can answer it. No big deal. I don't take that personally. Of course, I'm going to answer that. But as soon as money's involved, we were like, no, 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 I don't like sales. Coaching is a sales business. And so what's what's key for people to understand about that is that sales is the transfer of trust. That's all that sales is. It's, I want you to trust me. So I'm going to do this thing over and over and over and over and over again so that you can. And without that, Nothing gets sold. So what that means, what does it mean nothing gets sold? It means nobody changes their hand position. Nobody changes their pace. Nobody listens to you about the weight that they should lift. Nobody uses the equipment you tell them to lift. Nobody trains as often as you tell them to train. They don't take a day off when you tell them to take a day off. And on and on and on and on. So your question about how important is developing trust, it's the whole business. Yeah, I think that was, um, uh, it, it, uh, the the answer that I that answer I was looking for because I think you know from there it's not all I know you said about the knowledge and those sorts of things but that's in terms of um it comes into like building those building those relationships do you think sometimes where uh, potentially people go go wrong is that they um need to uh, spurt out their their qualifications rather than you know meeting that person in, in uh, meeting the piece meeting the person where they're at in in front of them rather than trying to just throw every throw everything at, at, at them um 
I'd like to answer that a different way. Yeah. Some people care what your certifications are. If they ask, tell them. If they don't ask, they don't care. <laughs> and so if if somebody asks you what your certifications are, what I would recommend you do is instead of sharing, oh, NASM, NSCA, that, that, you share with them, I went and got education that teaches me to do the following things. Yeah. Right? Like they don't actually know what your certifications mean. But if someone says to you, uh, you know, oh, what, what what certifications do you have? And they're a potential client. You tell them, I went and got certifications that allow me to help clients do this, to help clients do this, to help clients do this, to help me do this, and to help me do this. Um, what what makes you ask that question? Oh, well, I'm looking for the three things you just mentioned. Great. Well, that's, yes, I'm educated in that. Where if you said, I have an ASM CES, they're like, what's that? Even if you said, I have an active, I'm, I'm an ALP with active life which is far more extensive than any other education in the entire fitness industry. I'm talking light years, more extensive. No one's going to be like, Oh, cool. Yeah. I was looking for someone with that, with that certification. So that's, I think leading with your certifications is a mistake almost always. And is that because there was um, a couple of things that you mentioned there in terms of the language that you use, you know, the phrases you've got, you know, I've got qualifications that help allow me to do this, this, and this. Do you think that, um, especially when you know people get uh, coaches and trainers get qualified that they just ha aren't given those those skills from there, and that's why you see this bombardment of I've got this, I've got this, and people are always trying to do more, more, more courses. Yeah, you know what it is. Um, I think there's a few things to that. I think number one is there's actually been fairly good research that demonstrates that the reason why men want six packs is for other men. The reason men want to be jacked is because they think other men will think that's cool. Women don't give a shit. <laughs> so this is the same as certification collecting. Clients don't care. They just want to know if you can help them. But other trainers might care. Right? It might give you social status amongst your peer group in some ridiculous way. So that's one of the reasons why people go and collect certifications. Another reason is... Uh, collecting certifications provides a dopamine hit and dopamine is the, the chemical that your body produces to urge you to do something. It's not, it is not to be mistaken with a chemical that gives you a sensation of euphoria. They're different, right? Dopamine is a nudge. It just nudges you to do the next thing. So, what happens is you go get a certification. Sorry, two seconds. I want to put. <laughs> Sorry, you you get you get your certification, and so my wife just checked into my office too, <laughs> and I, I'm out of the house. Um, you know the the certification said, "Oh, I'm doing a good thing. I'm doing a good thing. I'm doing a good thing." Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, are you better at helping your client now? How like how are you going to change that person's program as a result of what you learned this week? Yeah, you're not. Then okay, but the next person, all they're going to get is kettlebell. That's it. Like that's that's the recent thing you went through. So everyone gets some kettlebell swings in their program. Come on, all of these things are all these certifications have value, and they should all be put into a tool belt 
as if they were a hammer, a screwdriver, a wrench, a wire cutter, whatever other tools people who are handy know that I don't, right? If I'm, if I need to hammer a bunch of wood to a wall, I'm going to bring a hammer. And the screwdriver doesn't come out of the toolkit. Doesn't matter that I have a screwdriver. I'm not finding a reason to screw something that doesn't need to be screwed. Right. And I think that um, certification collection leads people to feeling like I'm an elevated trainer because look at all the education that I got, but you didn't get education. You got information. Right. Um, It leads people to feel like they have status amongst their peer group. And it oftentimes is more of a distraction than a benefit. If I was to tell trainers, if trainers came to me and said outside of active life, because obviously Dr. Sean, you're biased towards your company. People should come get certified with you. And I would say that's true. If you want to solve the problems that we solve, which we can get to later if you want, but our education is 13 months long. You're not getting it in a fucking weekend. (laughs) So um, if they said, what, what's the next course I should take? I would say, okay, let, let me ask you some questions. And I would be looking to ask questions that bifurcate people into two different pools to start with. Um, do you believe that you can already, like, do you already have the skill set to help the people who you are working with today? Or do you feel like you need more skills to help the people you are working with today to solve the problems you are already working with them on solving? Meaning, are you frustrated in your de- in your ability to deliver outcomes? Or are you confident in your ability to deliver outcomes? I'm confident in my ability to deliver outcomes. Good. Next question. Or just as good if you weren't, by the way. But yeah. now we know. Next question. Are you confident in your ability to acquire new business? Or are you not confident in your, acquire, in your ability to acquire new business? I am not confident in my ability to acquire new business. Okay. Now we know where we should be focused. You need to be able to acquire new business. Oh, so what marketing course should I take? None. None. I want you to go sign up for an improv group. An improv group? Yes, an improv group. I want you to go make an ass of yourself in front of crowds of people you've never met before. Because when you're a trainer, the reason why you're struggling to grow your business is that you're not as charismatic as you need to be to acquire new clients off of the floor in the gym. You're afraid to call somebody and ask them for something for fear of embarrassment. Someone who does improv does not have those fears. That's what you need. Go get it. Yeah. And is that because especially uh, touch on those, those are all um, skills that um, uh, there's there's so much information and, and knowledge and, and knowledge out there. There's lots of courses. You can Google everything and there's everything out there for it. But that seems to be the um, uh, the thing that's the, the missing piece, the missing piece of the puzzle, because like what, you know, we, we said right at the start of this conversation that trust is going to be the um, the, the foundation of, it, of any business, you know, in terms of the, uh, in terms of the sales and, and building relationships, relationships from there. Is that where the miscommunication comes between more information means that they're going to have more answers as opposed to actually being able to find, you know, um, solutions to being able to meet and help that person, help that person there. Because it might just be that, you know, you need to just, understand where they're coming from because everybody's got their own backstory everyone's got their own um uh, uh you know things that they're th- things that they're working on do you think that's where sometimes the the communication or thought or thought process breaks down from, from from younger coaches yes and no 
I think the first thing that's important to talk about is you discuss a few times in there meeting someone where they are. We should talk about what that means. Right. Because I think everyone has the ability, like it's, it's the new buzzword. It's the new buzz phrase that's coming out. Meeting where they are, meeting where they are. Well, what does that mean? I think a really good professional who can meet people where they are never gives a client an answer. They only ask a client questions. And the client is able to come to the answers on their own. Because the trainer has provided the client with ample education and self-awareness to be able to identify the appropriate answer to the question in their own brain. That is meeting someone where they are. Now, that's obviously an exaggeration. We're not going to be able to be 100% questions. But we can be 90%. We can be 90% and then we can validate their answers. Or we can be 90% and when they give us an answer that we don't think we should validate, we can question their answer until they get to the right one. That's providing somebody with an education that allows them to be sustainable long term. Um, so that's meeting someone where they are. I think the question around do more certifications is give people more information, more answers. I think it gives people the perception of more answers. I was listening earlier today to uh, Brendan Bouchard. I don't know if you know who Brendan Bouchard is. Uh, no, no, no. He's a high performance uh, leadership coach. And he was talking about a conference that he was at where a gentleman was on a stage talking about something that they had invested a hundred million dollars in. And he was talking about, this is what we learned after a hundred million dollars of investment and three years of progress. Right. And he looked at the audience and he's like, this is it. The people right now who are not writing this down don't have any clue why they're here. This guy just spent a hundred million dollars and three years coming up with these three answers for you with these three lessons that he learned and you're not even going to write them down. Right? So what happens is people go to these conferences, they get these certifications, they read their books, they listen to their podcasts, they do the book on tape, they watch the documentary and it makes you feel good. It's like, Oh, I'm, 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 I'm doing the things that, you know, high performers do. Well, no, no, you're not. The high performer listens to the podcast, reads the book, watches the documentary, whatever it is, and changes a behavior as a result. <laughs> they don't just spout quotes. So what behavior change are you undergoing when you collect this information? When I say it's the facade. It's because 90% or 80% of people who are going to these things, I don't have a real number, but the, the overwhelming majority yeah. are just going and coming back with new information. And then they're, they're like, everything I learned until now was bullshit. I got to do this instead. No. What you, if I asked you the day before you go, are you a good trainer? Yes. Are your clients getting good results? Yes. Then how was it bullshit? Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so we need to be, uh, we need to be more in, intentional about how we apply the information that we consume and how we allow that to influence our behavior, our habits, our decisions. Yeah. And is that from 
um, you, you said there, you know, is there is there a behaviour change? Is there action action being taken? You know, from that, um, and being able to because people will do courses of like what you mentioned about kettlebell swings. People will go do kettlebells, and everyone then's got kettlebells in their in their workout. Whereas in terms of uh, you know the, the communication, actually asking asking questions, is that is those uh, softer skills. Um, maybe down to confidence, or for a lot of people, just just not be just not being shown, or um, is it just not the um, not 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 the norm? Because especially for for a lot of a lot of gyms for trainers, it's a case of it's just more 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 as opposed to you know setting um, higher standards from themselves or that level of professionalism. If that makes sense, Stephen. Part of part of it is is feeling as though you have to pick up every penny on the floor. You know, um, there's no one in the United States, at least I know you're over in the UK, but in the US, the only industry that has higher turnover than the fitness industry is the service industry. And when I say service, I'm talking about waiting tables. Mm. No, very rarely, very rarely do you ask someone, is this your career who's waiting a table? And they say, yeah, I've always wanted to be a server. It happens. Like when you're going to a Michelin star restaurant, those are career servers. Yeah. Um, most restaurants are not Michelin star. And so most servers are, it's the thing that they're doing while they're trying to figure out what they want to do. Fitness is the next one on the list for churn of professionals. What that tells me is that people are not coming into the fitness industry with their eye on a 30 year prize. So even the ones who are, even the ones who think they are, I should say, I want to do this for 30 years. Great. What are you setting up? What are you investing today that you're going to be happy with the appreciation of in 30 years? That's going to hurt today. What do you mean it's going to hurt today? What's, what are you, where are you going to work and be underpaid so that you can learn how to make mistakes where nobody's ever going to know that you existed after you leave? Where are you going to go and do that? What education are you going to dedicate yourself to so that you can have one influence and just be a master of that craft for as long as you can? And when you see that it needs to, to adjust a little bit, you'll adjust a little bit. But where is that education going to come from? And how are you going to dedicate yourself to it? Who is your mentor? I can't afford one. Okay, well, you can. You can get a YouTube on Instagram. I mean, a mentor on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Unfollow everybody else. Follow that one person. And you don't have to post, right? Your job is to learn everything that that person puts out. I had someone who messaged me yesterday um, because they had bought my my book. And they just posted that like they had, it had changed their career. And I'm like, how? How? Like, I want to hear more about it. And this person was just, she was like, I follow your Instagram. I follow your YouTube. I read your book. I take every free piece of content that you put out and I see if how I can possibly use it. And it's allowed me to create a business. Like, that's amazing. I said, do you work with us? She said, no. I said, I want to thank you for taking the stuff that I'm doing and putting into the world that's free. My book is free if you want it, Right. I just want people to be successful in the industry and using it instead of complaining that the stuff that I charge for is too expensive. Mm 
<laughs> right? Because the stuff that we charge for is high value. The stuff we give out for free is higher value than the stuff that most companies charge for. We're accessible. You, do you follow me? Yeah. Everybody, everyone has the, like you have, if you're taking a 30 year lens on your coaching career, what you're doing today would be different. It just would be. Yeah, I think that's um, uh, a, a a really good example and, and some and some and some useful advice in there. With the because um, I think I think there is a stat. I think it was um, after uh, or over in the UK anyway that um, most uh, most personal most personal trainers don't continue after 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 three years. Um, and is that a case of because I know you know when we're talking about you know thirty years in that in that time, whereas people think right, okay, well how how am I how am I changing it right now? Is that because it is the type of industry that it is that you know people don't realise that they can actually um, set themselves up to have a longer term career that there can be a path? I mean, you described it yourself. You know, you started uh, personal training. You know, you um, got some further education, and then there was. Um, there was a natural progression in terms of how, how your yeah, yeah. role, role has changed. That was me. Mm. I have friends who started training with me who are still training and they love it. Yeah. I have, I interviewed my, one of my first ever personal training clients on the active life podcast. Uh, he's been working with the same trainer that he started working with after I left training. He's been with this guy for the last 12 years. That's a trainer who wants to make a career of being a trainer. Right. And what's beautiful about it is I asked him, why are you with a guy for 12? What the fuck are you working with a trainer for 12 years for? He's like, I like it, man. I don't need it, but I like it. So that's great. All I wanted to make sure is, is that you don't think that you need it anymore because you don't need it anymore. Right. Um, yeah. I think part of the problem is, that the the most successful people in training, here, here's what happens. There are more trainers inside of commercial gyms than there are not in commercial gyms. So what happens is this. The way that most commercial gyms are incentivizing their training director or their business manager is on revenue performance of a department. So what happens? Some personal trainers like me will outperform the rest of the department. And you see, oh, that guy, can he can really crush. Let's elevate him to a management position so he can teach everyone else how he crushes. Well, that person doesn't necessarily know how to teach other people how to crush. It's something that they just have. They can be taught, but they don't know how to teach it. They just know how to do it. And so that person elevates out of training into management and they struggle and they burn out in management because they're like, I don't, I don't really know how to lead people, man. I don't know how to fire people. I don't know how to hire people. I don't know how to hold people accountable. I don't know how to make them feel safe, how to inspire them, right? I I want to learn these things, but I don't know. And the, and the business has done this at every position in the business. So nobody can teach you how to be a better leader inside of the business. That person stays in as long as they can. They burn out and ultimately they leave and go take a job doing something else. When what the gym could really opportunity has the opportunity to do is to say, would you like to be a career trainer? Yes. Great. If you ever want to leave training, you let us know. 
but we're going to create an environment so that you can be a career trainer, work here for 25, 30 years and retire with a, with a, with a retirement package that you've been investing towards. And along the way, we're going to free you of the time for money exchange that you're on right now. You don't have to leave training. You might have to stop making all of your money in one-on-one or one-on-few training sessions, but we can put you into a program design role and we can allow members of the gym who, for example, want to know what to do and want someone to ask them questions and progress it and hold them accountable, but don't want to work with somebody one-on-one. We can charge them an elevated rate, pay you the lion's share of the revenue being generated by that. And now you can do your job for New Orleans. I don't care where you are in the world, right? That's what we help gyms to be able to do. And that keeps trainers in the training business. I think that's um, uh, uh, what probably a lot of people or a lot of trainers don't realize that there can be can be an answer to that. One one thing that you that you touched on and it, it, it kind of popped in my head as you as you were talking there, obviously um, you spoke about you know burnt burn out. Obviously more is better. You know trying to think about about, about solutions right now is um, where or what what's your take on kind of setting those um, boundaries and not getting to that point where you know too much is too much is too much because sometimes you know um, I actually had this conversation with. Um, uh, a, a trainer a couple of weeks ago of um, there's just not enough hours. I'm just trying to um, uh, trying to get as, as, as much in. Whereas you know sometimes it's a case of there has to be those boundaries and those limits and you know develop in terms of okay, so what is it that we need to do? We can't get some more hours in. What else can we do? Group training, mm-hmm. shared person, you know, and things like that. What's kind of your take on setting those boundaries or your approach? Yeah. So depending on your, I don't know a lot about your business, your gym, but. Um, giving people the opportunity to do other things to earn more income other than coaching people who say, I want to be a coach. And you're like, all right, well, we can have you do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, clean the, clean the gym a little bit, reorganize the equipment, make some cold calls, do some of the, you know, do some of the the email response. If you give them that without putting a time limit on for how long it becomes a crutch and that crutch becomes a bet against their ability to build a full-time coaching business within your business because they need the I need that 2000 uh whatever your currency is in the UK pounds or whatever yeah. <laughs> right I need that 2000 pounds a month um so I can't give this up well no you don't what you're failing to realize is that that 2000 pounds is paying you one third of what you would make if you just did it through personal training. If you spent the same amount of time that you're spending in that being a coach, you'd triple your income, but you're not, which tells me you're not sure you can, which tells me as a leader in this business, it's my job to make sure that you know how, so that you know that you can, because if you're generating three X, the business is making more money too. And the clients are happy. So that's the first thing, right? Like give I like to give people those additional jobs inside of the gym when they first start for three to six months. And that's it. Like it's a three to six month contract where the goal is you're no longer doing that because you don't have time for it. Right. But we're giving this to you because we know that you need a soft landing when you start working here. And if we want your full-time attention, we have to pay for it. We understand that. 
So here's some other things that you can do for the first three to six months while you get your feet on the ground. The next thing is for the trainer. I believe everybody has to have a time in their life when they work unsustainably just to see what they're capable of. So for me, that was way longer than I would recommend for people who don't have the aspirations that I have for myself. I spent six years working 17 hours Monday through Friday each day and um, 12 hours on a Saturday. It was unhealthy, right? I mean, it was, there was nothing, it wasn't productive. It wasn't healthy. Uh, I wasn't growing. I wasn't making a lot of money. I was just chasing that dopamine, man. Working, I'm, I can outgrind anybody was my mindset. Great, but it's not working. Um, but having done that gives me an immense amount of confidence should things ever need me to do that again for a week, two weeks, a month, a year, right? I know where I can go. Um, everybody should have that experience. Whether it's for a month, a year, everyone should have the experience of knowing how hard you can push. And then there's a period of your life when you have to pay your tuition. And what that means is, you make less money than you know you should for work that you're doing because you're getting an additional level of value outside of the money, which is learning about the business that you're in, learning how to be a better communicator with people, learning how you would want to be a leader if you ever were going to be a leader, thinking about how you could pay somebody else in a way that that person isn't affording themselves to pay you. Being bad at your job for the wrong person and being perfect at your job for the right person and not knowing which is which for a while, right? This is when you're paying your tuition. The guy I had on my podcast, the early personal training client, he talked about me having him do power cleans in our first session. This guy was 50 pounds overweight. His glasses fogged up when he got sweaty. He had never exercised with weights before. He had no fucking business doing a power clean. I had no idea what I was doing, right? Uh, but I cared about him a lot. And so he stuck with me. And I kept on working to get better. And that year, I was one of the top producing trainers in all of Equinox. And I didn't clear $50,000 of income. Tuition. Absolutely. I think uh, examples from there, there was, there was, there was a few points and good phrases in there as well. You know, or, you know, think of it as a as, as that tuition. You know, learning, learn, learning from that. And um, yeah, I know for I know for myself. You know, especially like when you mentioned about um, you know, having done hours and giving you confidence that that, that you can can do that from there. Um, yeah, I think there was some good good points and some good points. You know, throughout throughout the chat, I think it's it's been a a couple of points that we've touched on that people can people can take away with and um the. The, the last question that I, that I like to ask from everything that we've uh, chatted about there and a couple of topics that we've covered, what would be your take-home points or words of wisdom for everyone listening? The more that you think about what you get out of it, the less you're thinking about what the client gets out of it. And the more, the less that you think about what the client gets out of it, the less valuable it is for them. And the less valuable it is for them, the less it's worth to pay for it. So 
the take home here, put them first when it comes to the product. Instead of thinking, what are they willing to pay for this? Think, what does it need to be? And then build that. And then ask yourself, what does that need to cost? And then you just have to charge that. You don't have a choice, <laughs> right? Because what happens is you're saying, if, if they're going to get what I'm promising them, really, it needs to include all of these things. Okay, what of those are you an expert in? This one, this one, this one, and this one. Which of them are you not an expert in? This one or this one? Well, those are refer outs. And these are the things that you do. Now, if you were going to work 25 client hours on a floor a week, how much would each of those client hours need to pay you to accommodate for the other 15 hours of work that you're doing to service those 25 hours that you're not on the floor for? X number of dollars. Well, great. That's what this needs to cost then. Well, no one's going to pay that. Well, then you don't have a service. Right? No one's going to pay that. Well, well, then, well, then you're either going to have to change your promise or you're going to have to live an unsustainable life. What's, what's, what gives? Yeah. So put them first and then charge them for it. I think that's, um, it, it ties into, because I know from your, from your talk as well, you, you shared um, a sheet of like, what does that, what does that look like? You know, what does, what do we need for this to be successful? What does that success look, look like to you? And it, you know, it goes back to what we mentioned, you know, uh, earlier on about, you know, asking them questions, seeing what they, what they want. And then you can be like, right. Okay. So then you can start mapping out, you know, what, what you need to work on, what you can, what you can offer them, what service you can offer them. Because obviously if you can, there isn't one there. <laughs> That's right. And, and, and like people do this all, like imagine if car makers ran their pricing models the way that trainers did. Um, I want to buy a car that will drive me from home to all the places I need to go without busting into flames and without needing to stop for gas every mile I drive. Hmm. Okay. If we're going to build that and keep it safe and all these other things and like have lights and shit for nighttime, it has to cost at least 21,000 pounds. Like that's the minimum we can charge for a car. If you want these other things, it's got to have that in it. Not everyone needs that, but if we're going to give you what it really needs, it's going to be 21,000 pounds. Okay. Uh, I can't afford 21,000 pounds. All right. You know what? We'll, we'll take the brakes off. You'll get there faster anyway. Well, I need brakes. I can't drive a car without brakes. This is not going to get me to my angle. You're right. We'll keep the brakes. Just no lights. What if I have to drive at night? You won't be able to drive at night. Well, that doesn't solve my problem. Right? The car makers can't do that. But we as trainers are like, ah, fuck it. Like whatever. No, no accountability. You got it. We have to be, we have to be honest about what it is we're offering to people. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan of an analogy. So I think I'm going to have to, I think I'm going to have to use that analogy. Um, a lot more. I, I, I like that using the, using the car. Um, Go for it. Um, thanks a lot, Sean, for, for taking the time to jump on. Like I say, I really enjoyed your talk at the community education week. I was really looking forward to, to speaking with you um, today. If anyone has um, any questions about what we've spoken about today, um, reach out to you or see the content that, that you put out there. Where can people find you or, or reach out to you? Uh, at Dr. Sean Pestuch on Instagram. If you could just drop my Instagram handle on the show notes, they can find me there. All of my other stuff is linked there. They can subscribe to my newsletter there. They can get 
into my companies from there and they can send me a DM. I respond to every single DM that comes through. It's an unhealthy habit. I have no, I have no boundaries around people asking for help. Awesome. A hundred percent for everyone listening. Um, I'm going to put all the links, uh, links in the show notes. So a hundred percent, you know, see the content that, um, that Sean puts out there, you know, really, 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 really useful stuff. Like I say, from the, from the talk that I saw, um, Sean, do, it was, it was, it was really, really helpful. So thanks a lot, Sean, for taking the time uh, to jump on. Thanks a lot to everyone listening and I will see you all next week. <laughs>